Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Hey, City Collective family, happy Mother's Day. I hope that you're doing well this morning, that you've had a chance to reach out to those that you love and share some celebratory moments together. I hope this has been a great morning for you already. Moments of worship, of laughter, of reflection. This is an incredible space for us to gather in a unique way, but still experience the presence of God for. Now, first off, I wanna give a shout out to our creative team and those who were able to participate in the video that you just watched. Uh, I loved seeing that and being able to celebrate our moms. Thank you so much for making that happen. If you weren't able to participate in that video or just wanted to show your mom some extra love this morning, now is the time. Toss a comment down below or off to the side, depends where you're watching, and give your mom some love. I My mom is the best because and let us know. Take them in the post, let us know. We wanna be able to share some love this morning. Now, while you're doing that, there's a couple different things that we wanna do in reflection of it being Mother's Day before we jump into the next part of our series on Jonah. Uh, moms are superheroes, and I think we can all agree on that. And one of the things we would like to do is pray together over our moms and those who are mothering in our lives. And so if you want to follow along, you can go to the details of the link and you're gonna find our collective liturgy. Click that, uh, click that link and you'll be able to follow along. You're gonna find the prayer we're gonna to read together right there. Let me just share a couple of things. That there, there is no, no way to name all of the experiences we have with this noun mom. Uh, for some of us, the word is filled with so much love, steadiness, safety, and joy. And, and sure, we likely know that those relationships aren't perfect, but we also know that they're incredibly good. Uh, for others, mom is a word filled with tension or longing or heartbreak. And maybe our own relationship with our mom is fraught, or we live with the loss of a mom, or we've lost a child. We believe this. We believe that our prayers can hold all of this that we can sit with God when our hearts are happy, and we can sit with God when our hearts need healing. So this morning, together, let's offer this prayer in three parts. First, celebrating moms. Second, praying for each other. And third, resting in the palm of a parenting God. Would you join me in praying? For all of the ways we have been mothered well, through moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandparents, teachers, friends, and mentors, Jesus, we give you thanks. For those who welcomed new life this year, who expanded, expanded their role as mothers, who deepened their connection with the children in their lives, Jesus, we give you thanks. For those who are in the trenches of parenting, who are working so hard to feed, teach, nurture, and shape children and youth while juggling so much more, Jesus, we give you thanks. For those who have lost a mom, a grandma, or a child this year, we grieve. Holy Spirit, send your comfort and care. For those who experience distance from moms, who cannot have children of their own, who have redefined motherhood for themselves as something bigger than giving birth, Spirit, send your comfort and care. For moms in need of encouragement, strength, and support, Spirit, send your comfort and care. The prophet Isaiah said that God is like a super mom, that God's children are never forgotten. And Isaiah shows us this image when God says, See, 
I have written your name on my hand. So Holy One, keep us close. You keep track of us and you never stop loving us. God, parent us with your love. And for all the needs mentioned and those that go unnamed, God, parent us with your love. May you infuse all of our mothering efforts with grace and bless those in need of your mothering care today, we pray. Amen. Amen. Toss an amen in the comments if you agree with that this morning. We're so grateful for all of the moms in our community and who are represented in our community and beyond. We're just really grateful. Now, uh, today, today brings us to week four of our series on the book of Jonah. But we've discovered together that Jonah is more than a children's story, that it is in fact an adult story with incredibly adult themes that expose the worst tendencies of you and of I. Last week, we found ourselves in the belly of the fish. And in Jonah chapter one, we see uh, Jonah run from God in a dramatic fashion and the story takes dramatic turns on a big ship with big fish and a big storm and Jonah continues to try and run away from God. And this satirical narrative paints this extravagant story where the man of God refuses to pray but pagan sailors seem to be praying all the time. And Jonah is thrown from the boat, and if the story ended in Jonah 1, we would see it as a tragedy, but God sends a fish to rescue Jonah. And what would have been reasonably thought of as a vehicle of death turns out to be a vehicle of grace. And in that fish, in that trapped, secluded space, we finally see Jonah cry out to God. And he prays this honest, gut-wrenching prayer. He, he taps into the prayers that came before him in this beautiful compilation of Hebrew poetic literature, drawing on the Psalms of the words of his community, the OGs who gave him words for the moment when he didn't have any for himself. And then finally, the last image of chapter two is not a pretty one where we see Jonah vomited up on the shore. So today, we're gonna to be talking about three things, Hallmark dramas, second chances, and C-plus sermons. Hopefully not this one. Now please uh, join us in reading Jonah chapter 3. Jonah 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by doing a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger 
so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring them the destruction he had threatened. Bye, everyone. Dab. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who was able to lead us in that scripture reading. Cheryl, Rebecca, Kaylin, and of course, Solly. And of course, to our worship team that led us earlier, Dan, Juliana, and Megan. We appreciate you. Thanks for leading us in these different ways we can choose to worship. Now, this morning, we are continuing in Jonah. We find ourselves in Jonah chapter 3. And it's this interesting mirror, this echo to the beginning of the book, into Jonah chapter 1, with Yahweh again commanding Jonah to, to go. And he's using nearly identical wording. And the narrator, he's beautifully keeping us on the edge of our seat. He, he's paying special attention to words being used then and now because he begins to describe Jonah's response and he says, and Jonah arose. And this, this initial action is identical to what takes place in Jonah chapter 1, if you look at Jonah 1 verse 3. However, just as Jonah's response in 1 verse 3 is surprising, so are his actions here. Now, by this point of the story, uh, I think we can all agree that we don't have the best impression of a Jonah, that we have seen his heart, we've seen his character, and we don't really perceive him as a good prophet. After he flees, he has nonchalance during a storm, his attempt at sailor-assisted suicide, and the audience is half expecting a repeat performance of chapter 1. But the narrator masterfully, he crafts the story here by providing a very slight pause. In the Hebrew language, after it says, and Jonah arose, there's a pause for us to catch our breath and consider what is Jonah's response going to be in this moment of second chance. And that's my question for you this morning. Have, have you ever received a second chance? And maybe it doesn't feel as dramatic as being swallowed up by a whale and being vomited up on a shore. Or maybe it does where you felt like you were at the end of yourself, at the brink of no return, and suddenly an opportunity came in front of you that you never saw coming. A new relationship or a renewed relationship. Perhaps it was a mistake in your job that your boss gave you another chance. A joke that went badly that someone wanted you to tell again. A team that you didn't make and then you tried out again and were able to make it. Shout out, Last Dance, you need to check out that documentary. It is fantastic. But even if Michael Jordan needed a second chance, so do you and I. Here on this Mother's Day, I believe that we have a great example of a group of people that are so unapologetically, constantly showing second chances. I know I've needed it for my mom in the past where I've made mistakes, said things wrong, done things wrong, and my mom has unapologetically given me a second chance. And mom, I appreciate you. I love you. And I'm so grateful that I have been given a mom that shows me the grace that I so desperately need. And I am wearing your shirt that you gave me at Christmas, so brownie points for that. But I know this, that my mom has shown me second chances time and time again. There was even one time, one birthday, where I may or may not have gone and played sports and completely forgotten that it was my mom's birthday and my mom still showed me grace. And so I'm still working to make sure and that was just the first year that I was actually the second favorite child. Don't worry, I've earned it back. But I'm really grateful that there is stories of second chance in my life and I hope that, that you have seen them in yours as well. 
Because I don't know about you, but I find myself so desperately in need of more second chances than I'm comfortable in admitting. I'm learning every day that second chances are something that my life doesn't just want, it, it needs. Now, I feel like every Hallmark drama I have ever chosen to watch always kind of carries this narrative of, of a second chance and, and it's dramatic and it, it can be really bad at times but it always is this culminating moment that somehow draws us in we're, we're um, we find it fascinating this idea of the second chance it captures our imagination it captures our hearts because I think it's something that you and I desire but our need for second chances runs into a couple different obstacles. In particular, I would say that my need for second chances, my ability to even ask for a second chance can come up against my selfish nature because this is what second chances do. Second chances, they put power in the hands of someone else. Second chances, they abdicate the throne we love to sit on, something that we'll talk about next week. Second chances, they, they require a death to self, a humbling to admit we do need help. Henry Nguyen, in his book, The Only Necessary Thing, he, he says this prayer. He says, Dear God, I am so afraid to open up my clenched fists. Who will I be when I have nothing left to hold on to? Who will I be when I stand before you with empty hands? Please help me to gradually open my hands and to discover that I am not what I own, but what you want to give to me. And, and the Bible tells us that God gives to us love, grace, and joy. So you are loved. You are forgiven. You are joyful. And you were always given a second chance. That there isn't this bar of grace where it's slowly being used up and that's weaning off at every mistake. Because the pursuit of holiness to live a life worthy of grace is not designed to be driven by fear so that we don't run out of grace, but rather it is to live from the confidence that you and I are loved. So I choose to live from that confidence and share that with the world. Our God of second chances can always be trusted. And that's what we see in the story of Jonah. That he's giving Jonah another chance. He's saying, I asked you this once, I'm going to ask you again. And I think this is often the case even with the mothers and our mother figures in our lives, moms and mentors and caregivers who seemingly unconsciously distribute second chances in a beautiful picture of God's constant relationship with you and me. This is the declaration of the Bible that you never are too far outside of God's love. I want you to hear this today, that this moment where Jonah gets a second chance is you and me, that we ran in the other direction, that we said, that I don't want to do this anymore. My hate for them is stronger than my love for you, but yet God ran after us. Yet God pursued us and God protected us and he saved us and now he's saying, I want you to go again. Not simply just to do something for the sake of doing it, but to participate in the restoration of the world. To understand that when you show the love that I have for you to others, you truly receive it for yourself. Lamentations 3 Verses 22 to 23 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
So if you feel like you missed the first chance, the second chance, the third chance, the 50th chance, know that there is no end to his grace towards you. If he spoke once, he'll speak again. That every day of this life is the opportunity for new beginnings. That his mercies never end. That his steadfast love never ceases. And great is God's faithfulness. And even when we disobey and go in the opposite direction, even when we reject the second chance right in front of us, even when we fall short over and over and God asks again and again will you follow my way instead of your own but to ask for a second chance is one thing and to give a second chance is something completely different I know this is difficult in moments when we feel right when we feel hurt when we feel wronged when we feel justified or forgotten and we do this, we, we give second chances based on how we choose to believe the other party is. We, we, we make that decision for a second chance on their worthiness or whether or not we can place our trust in people. Whereas God's version of a second chance really has nothing to do with you or me and has everything to do with his character. That grace and forgiveness and reconciliation are demonstrations of a second chance God and they are not given conditionally but freely out of God's character. That God gives second chances based on who God is, not based on who you are. And this is what is so powerfully different in the person of God. That you and I might give a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance, but every time our trust wanes and our trust lessens, and that is sometimes just part of being human, but who God is, is that even when we run away and we are rejecting that second chance that comes towards us, God st doesn't start to wean away the trust that he has for us. Doesn't wean away that the, the love that he has for us or the grace that he has for us it is never withdrawn from us to receive. God himself is modeling for Jonah right here for the people of Israel, for you and for me. And he's saying, look how I love you. This is how you should love others. Look at how I forgive you. This is how you should forgive others. He's saying that the worst person you can imagine is worthy of God's grace. So who are we to stop that? And Jonah certainly tried. But Jonah does say yes. He, he gives a response that is needed in that moment and he makes his way to Nineveh. Perhaps not with the gusto that you would expect from a man who is rescued from a fish, but he makes his way to Nineveh nonetheless. And the only one in the story who's acting in a manner true to his character is God. And Jonah goes, Nineveh receives him, and it says three days to walk through the city, but Jonah only spends one. And some think that it was because that was all he needed. Others say that if he went just to the main spot and communicated what needed to be said, but the inclusion of the size of the city and the length of his stay and the nature of Jonah up to this point seems to indicate that Jonah is in a hurry. That whether earnestly, enthusiastically, or just to get the job done, he wants to get there quickly and he wants to say what needs to be said. And I think that the last one kind of sounds right because Jonah is a bare minimum kind of guy so far. And this brings us to this idea of C plus sermons because I think most of us could, would contend that we are our toughest critics. 
that we can be extremely hard on ourselves. And I would say that I'm no different, that every week after I preach, I am meticulously paying attention to every detail of what is communicated. I'm nitpicking and evaluating, and I'm hoping that I'm doing my part in helping you discover God in your own story. I care deeply about this, and I don't want it to be a bare minimum sermon every week just to check a box. And yet, Jonah doesn't seem to care for the people of Nineveh in the same way. It's almost like he's thinking, sure, I'm going to obey God, but you know what? I'm going to do it in as few words as possible. And what he does is he preaches this five-word Hebrew sermon. It's translated into eight words of the NIV, where it says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's all he says. There is no indication of God sent him. There's no indication of how to get past this or even what they've done this moment. And if we compare Jonah's message to Nineveh with other prophecies in the Bible to other foreign nations, such as Jeremiah's prophecy against Babylon, that's 58 verses. Obadiah's prophecy against Edom, that's 21 chapters. And Nahum's prophecy against Nineveh, that's 19 verses. Despite Jonah's underwhelming message though, the people of Nineveh respond immediately. Like this is the moment in school where you have an assignment and you don't really want to do it and you don't want to put much effort into it. You don't give much time towards it that you know exactly what you need to do just to pass and then you submit that and it does the job and everything goes beyond what you expected but you just did it the bare minimum of what you needed to do and you get that C+. And the plus has more to do with the outcome than your work. Because Jonah, all he says to them basically is, you're done. There is no coming back. Jonah's message is missing even a sense of hope for Nineveh's salvation. Even through these bare minimum words, God is speaking to their hearts and he's saying that my love, my forgiveness is so captivating that even the bare minimum of obedience unlocks the possibility of repentance. Here's the thing. To speak truth is difficult, but the direction in which you speak it is even more so. But it's also even more powerful. Richard Rohr, he says this. He says, there are two ways of being a prophet. One is to tell the enslaved that they can be free, and that's the difficult path of Moses. But the second is to tell those who think that they are free, in fact, that they are enslaved. That is the even more difficult path of Jesus. And even today, in this cultural moment, where perhaps you have been following along with the news this week, following the brutal killing of Ahmaud Arbery, is it's putting a highlight that there is a systemic problem in our society. But perhaps you're thinking that might just be in the States, racism is a problem even here in Canada. That there are systemic issues, that there's an unjust system, and there's indefensible approaches to government on display specifically in this situation. But we as followers of Jesus are not calling out to those who are ready to hear only when they are ready to let them know that you can be free. But we need to be speaking to structures of power that don't recognize that they are enslaved by systemic struggles outside of their purview, which enslave them to a sinful way outside of the way of Jesus. What was done was evil. How it was responded to was evil. And, but one arrest is not going to correct it. 
as followers of Jesus. We need to tell those who think they are free that they are in fact enslaved when we see these systemic struggles around us. That this is the people of Nineveh. They have no idea what's going on around them. And God wants Jonah just to let them know that you're not as free as you think you are. That you need to turn towards me and find that I have new life in store for you. That my mercies are for you. That my love is for you. And know this today. Know that obedience does not always equate to readiness. That obedience never equates to perfection. But obedience always equates to humility. Because it is not our words that changes hearts, but it is God's love towards humanity. So when you have a moment where you feel the Holy Spirit nudge you to speak up for a friend being put down, do so. When you see injustice be taking place, do not remain silent. You just simply become a contributor in that moment, but you can stand up for what is right. When you hear God telling you to encourage that lady at the grocery store, don't stop, stay social distance, but let her know that God loves her. We get to be the demonstration of God's love in the world. Because sometimes our silence communicates our belief that they are past the point of no return. That a second chance isn't possible. That God has given up on them, but God hasn't given up on a broken world. Jesus came to redeem and to restore, to set up his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. No systemic issue, no cultural evil, no personal mistake, no family addiction, no family division, no decision, no poorly worded argument or selfish motivation prevents God from showing his grace to you and to me. We need a revelation of grace in our lives if we are to be a voice of God in this world. And this idea of a second chance God that has given it to Jonah, that has given it to Nineveh, that is also giving giving it to you and to me is not simply just a good idea, but it's a new kind of living. You don't think your way into a new kind of living. You live your way into a new kind of thinking. Start living like someone who has been given a second chance. Let our prayer be, please let me to gradually open my hands and discover that I am not my own, but what you want to give to me. Start to live with second chances for others in our life. Show grace, show wisdom, be smart and protect your heart, but understand that bitterness and regret and and hurt towards others does nothing but poison our experience of life and our ability to live life to the fullest. Don't just think about second chances, give second chances. Don't just think about grace, show grace and watch how your life changes. On that beach, God gave Jonah a second chance. In that city, even when the bare minimum was done, God was saying that your story isn't over to the city of Nineveh. And all of this is to say to you and to me that my grace is more than enough. That my love is unconditional. I want you to take that and receive that and live into your second chance. And I want you to be a second chance people in how you live your life and how you love through your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. 
Thank you for your love towards us. That you give us chance after chance and that there is no diminishing of your love or diminishing of your grace in the process of our life. That we are people who are desperately in need of it. So I pray today that you would show yourself so powerfully in our homes. That we would have a revelation of that second chance power, that restoration, that resurrection power that you have given to each and every one of us. Not just to live for our own stories, but to live out in our story. Thank you that we can discover that you are giving us second chances in the mistakes that we are carrying. I pray right now that as we are listening to these words spoken, that you would give us courage to let go of bitterness and of resentment, of discouragement and of hurt, that you give us courage to have conversations that need to be had, that give us the words to speak when they need to be spoken, and give us courage to be a people who hear the opportunity to show your love and to shape this world according to your way. Thank you that you are the God of the second chance. We love you so much. Thank you for all that you are doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for a Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.